Hello, this is episode 40 of this true crime podcast. This is the case of serial killer Peter Moore from the UK. Peter Moore murdered four men in a few months towards the end of 1995. It is probably a lesser known case from the UK, but he really was a very evil individual. Peter Moore murdered four men between September 1995 and December 1995. He only stopped because he was caught. Once apprehended, Peter Moore not only provided evidence by way of confessing to the murders eventually, but also adding more details. But the police would also find enough evidence to put Peter Moore away for good, even without any so-called help from the killer himself. Peter Moore was born on the 19th of September of 1940, so during World War II. He was born in a place called St Helens, which is in Lancashire in England. Not very much is known about his school years, but once he left school, he would get odd jobs to tide him over. He would end up working in various cinemas, which he loved, and he would eventually go on to owning many cinema screens throughout Wales, mainly close to his local community. Peter Moore was 55 years old when he began murdering men, but it would come to light later, mainly through information provided by Moore himself, that he had been attacking men for over 20 years before he moved on to murder. Many of the attacks had gone unreported. All of his murders took place in Wales, where the Moore family had moved to from England when Peter was a child. His method for all of his killings was stabbing the men to death. He also carried out many mutilations on the bodies after the other person had died. Peter Moore's first murder victim was a man called Henry Roberts, who at the time of his death was 56 years old. And the pair knew each other, but only slightly, it's believed. Um, So so roughly, he was the same age as Peter Moore, more or less. This murder took place in north-west Wales, in a place called Anglesey. This murder occurred in September of 1995, with Henry Roberts being brutally stabbed to death. Peter Moore's next victim was a young man called Edward Carvey. The pair had met in a well-known gay bar in Wales. This murder took place in October of 1995. The third person to die at the hands of Peter Moore was a man called Keith Randall, who at the time of his death was 49 years old. Keith Randall was brutally stabbed to death by Peter Moore in November of 1995. This murder also took place in Anglesey in Wales. Peter Moore's final victim was a man called Anthony Davies. Anthony was stabbed to death on a beach in Wales. This final murder took place in December of 1995. Observations that were made about the murders were that all of the men had been attacked at night. All of the bodies had been left in fairly isolated places. It was also noted that all of the victims were either undressed or at least partially undressed, which also helped to establish a sexually motivated reason for the murders. Peter Moore became a suspect in the four murders due to DNA evidence left at his final victim's murder scene. His blood had been discovered at the scene of Anthony Davis' murder. Once the police arrested Peter Moore they knew that they had the right man and more and more evidence came to light once they began a search of his home. Peter Moore would eventually go on to make a full confession to his solicitor as well as the police. Although he did actually claim initially that a man called Jason carried out the murders and not him. 
The evidence that the police found at Peter Moore's house was a knife with enough traces of blood to link it to several of the men that had been murdered. The knife had been found in a bag that Peter Moore regularly used. Inside a cupboard they found a truncheon as well as a police uniform. He was duly charged with four counts of murder. He remained on remand in prison until his trial. Peter Moore stood trial for the murders of Henry Roberts, Edward Carvey, Keith Randalls and Anthony Davies. The trial was held at Mould Crown Court in November of 1996. He was represented, represented by Dylan Rees-Jones, a local solicitor. Dylan Rees-Jones had actually had dealings with the family before in, you know, just in dealing with wills and, and things like that, but now he'd actually been appointed to represent his client in a murder trial. That's a huge step up. Lots of evidence was presented to the jury and unsurprisingly, Peter Moore was found guilty on all four counts of murder. The judge sentenced him to life without the possibility of being released. Peter Moore is currently serving his sentence at Wakefield Prison in England. He has been there for many years. Peter Moore is considered by many to be Wales's worst serial killer. At his trial, he had tried to make out that the murders were carried out by someone called Jason, but the jury found him guilty on all counts anyway. He went on to appeal his sentence and took it to the High Court. The High Court ruled that he would indeed spend the rest of his life in prison. He challenged the ruling and went to the European Court of Appeal in March 2011. He asked for not only his whole life tariff to be quashed, but also that his sentence should be quashed entirely. He lost his appeal and in January 2012 he found out that he would not be able to appeal again and that he would die in prison for his crimes. He would have, he could have lived a relatively comfortable life due to owning the family home after both of his parents had died and the cinemas that he had purchased but he clearly wanted more out of his life. He also kept his dark thoughts to himself which is not surprising it was discovered after his trial that he had assaulted many men over many years and that he had never been apprehended for any of those attacks. He had chosen men who had usually been drunk or on drugs and often they had been walking at night alone down country lanes or isolated roads. Peter Moore knew how to find his victims, it would seem, and he often went prepared to attack someone. Sometimes he would dress up in either a police officer's uniform or a Nazi uniform. He certainly had a very sadistic streak even before the murders. It would seem that these early attacks were the build-up to the later murders. A lot of these attacks would go unreported and it was largely only due to Peter, Moore later, Peter Moore's later confessions that the police really knew just how many men had been attacked prior to the murders. Fortunately, Peter Moore will end his days in prison. He has got a whole life tariff. Peter Moore detailed a lot of his crimes to his former solicitor who then wrote a book about the serial killer. I have not read the book. I will give out information on the book at the end of this episode just in case anyone is interested. He spoke about reading the newspaper reports on the assaults that he carried out and he said that he would become quite excited by all of the attention. A lot of what Peter Moore had to say was already known because he had given some details already to the police when he was arrested. 
Although he did try to make out that it was someone else who had actually carried out the murders, which obviously was a lie. Anyway, the details that have since come out, if they are to be believed, are pretty awful. He went on to confessing to killing Henry Roberts by using a knife to stab him 27 times. He also said that Edward Carvey, who was from Tramere near Liverpool in England, had apparently been picked up by Peter Moore at a gay bar in Liverpool. The bar was located at Stanley Street in Liverpool city centre. He apparently offered Edward, who was 28 years old at the time, a lift. Whilst in the car with Peter Moore, Edward suddenly realised something was not right and he became frightened, according to Peter Moore. Edward had tried to escape but was unable to and Peter kept driving until they were in Wales. The distance from Liverpool to Wales is just over 40 miles. The journey must have been terrifying for the young defenceless man. According to Peter Moore's later confession in regards to the murder of Edward Carvey, the young man had asked Peter if he was a, quote, Nielsen type, unquote, which was seemingly a reference to British serial killer Dennis Nielsen. Dennis Nielsen had murdered a number of men in England throughout the 1970s and 80s. Peter Moore said that he simply responded to Edward by saying, quote, yes, unquote, just before he stabbed the young man to death. Peter Moore then buried Edward in some woods close by. His next victim was 49-year-old Keith Randalls. He worked as a traffic manager in Chester in England. Peter Moore admitted to stabbing Keith Randalls to death in November of 1995 on the A5 road in Anglesey in Wales. The last victim to have the misfortune to come into contact with Peter Moore was 40 nine-year-old Anthony Davies. Anthony was married and also had two children. He lived in Wales. He was stabbed to death by Peter Moore and left to die on a beach in Wales in December of 1995. The serial killer clearly had no regard at all for anyone other than himself and the murders that he carried out were all extremely brutal. According to Peter Moore's later confessions, Keith Randalls had asked him why he was stabbing him and he allegedly replied, quote, it was fun, unquote. He was later asked by professionals treating him how he had felt after he had killed his victims and he said that he felt it was a job well done, apparently. So what is known about Peter Moore apart from his murders and sexual assaults that he committed? It is said that although he was extremely close to his mother, he was not close to his father in the same way. His father was known to be a heavy drinker and he was said to have been scared of him when he was a child. Peter Moore was an only child, born in England, but spent most of his life in Wales. He lived at Darlington House in Kilmer Bay in Wales in a house that was extended over the years. It was considered a grand property at the time, although it has been left to sort of go into rack and ruin, it would seem. Peter was said to have enjoyed working at the local seaside for fair during his summer holidays as a boy. Peter Moore would later confide in prison to a professional who was treating him, that he had been sexually assaulted himself when he was only 11 years old by a fellow fairground worker. It does not seem to have been reported and no record of whether he had even spoken out to anyone about this allegation before or not. 
at school it has been said that Peter Moore was easygoing, a bit quiet and also a bit of a loner. Peter Moore's father died when Peter was 33 years old. This was in 1979. He would end up taking over the family business after his father died, which presumably was a great relief as well as help to his mother. He continued to live at Darlington House with his mother. When his mother became less able to look after herself as she got older, Peter Moore looked after her. He would later admit that by this point in his life he had already started attacking lone men and sexually assaulting them. He would go on to detail many of these vicious attacks in his later manuscripts, so-called manuscripts anyway. It would seem that he was unable to find a willing partner for what he wanted and he gradually came to the realisation that he would have to drug or get unsuspecting men drunk in order to get what he wanted from them or just attack them. He basically just wanted to torture and abuse as well as sexually assault men that he was attracted to, even if they weren't attracted to him or even if they weren't gay. He admitted that he fantasised over many months about what he wanted to do to certain men before giving in to his demons. According to Peter, he would dress up in either a policeman's uniform or a Nazi uniform or he would wear his black leather trousers and once armed with a truncheon as well as a knife he would go out at night looking for lone vulnerable men that he would go on to attack and often leave for dead. Quite a lot of planning went into these earlier attacks by the sounds of it and because after the attacks often the attacks were not even reported to the police he managed to get away with assaulting many men over a long period of time, about 20 years it would seem. He would apparently drive down country lanes close to where he lived to look for any seemingly vulnerable man that he would be able to attack. Often the men he attacked were on their way home from the pub, so already under the influence in all probability, which made it a lot easier to attack them. He would park his car and get out and hide, usually behind some bushes or trees, until he spotted a potential victim to attack. Some of the attacks were said to have been so vicious that the victims had only survived due to somebody coming across them and raising the alarm for medical help. He would, he would go on to admit that all of the attacks were so sexually motivated and that he would become aroused by seeing his victim struggle. He also said that he really enjoyed having total control over them. Unfortunately, many of the men did not come forward, maybe because they were not openly gay or that they did not want to go to court and maybe they just wanted to forget about what had happened to them. It is understandable that some victims just want to forget and move on, if at all possible, with their lives. And this can be for a variety of reasons. Not all of the attacks were linked due to the fact that some of the attacks happened many miles away and all over Wales, in fact, over a long period of time, nearly 20 years. Peter Moore also claimed that due to his own father being a heavy drinker he would go on to despise seeing men who were clearly drunk but that could just be a very convenient excuse to make him look better which it clearly did not. He had murdered four men and attacked many others so there are really no excuses for what he did. In 1994 his mother died and it was said that he was devastated. He would continue to live in the family home alone 
He did socialise more after his mother had died, presumably because he had more time and a bit more freedom. His behaviour escalated very quickly after his mother died and it would not be long before he began attacking His attacking men would not be enough and that he now wanted to murder lone men instead. The solicitor who represented him at his murder trial, Dylan Rees-Jones, would go on to write and have a book published on Peter Moore. The killer had given many interviews and provided information with the knowledge that it would be published. This is where a lot more detail came out in regards to the four murders and the many often unreported attacks that Peter Moore had claimed he had carried out over the 20 years. The book is called The The Man in Black, Peter Moore, Wales's Worst Serial Killer, and it's by Dylan Rees-Jones. And obviously Peter Moore was unable to benefit from any financial rewards from the book or any privileges. He wouldn't be able to make any money from it. He had been dubbed the man in black due to the often dark clothing that he would wear whilst committing his many crimes on unsuspecting men. Dylan Rees-Jones would also go on to describe Peter Moore as the most manipulative person that he had ever come in contact with. It is alleged that he would change his story with the police during interviews like a cat playing with a mouse. It also transpired that the killer would enjoy reading about his crimes in the papers and that he would become excited by all of the attention given to him. Peter Moore had a real passion for films, in in particular old films and especially older type horror movies, not not so well-known films he was particularly interested in, um, so-called B-rated horror movies, and he would often show them at his cinemas. He was known to be well-spoken and articulate and he would often come across really well to other people who didn't really know him. He became a minor celebrity before being locked up as a serial killer. He was featured on the local news at one point talking about his love for films and how much he enjoyed running his cinemas. In the interview he stated that he liked the so-called glitz and the glam of cinema. All of his cinemas Cinema screams were in Wales, with one of them being on the Wales-England border. He had a lot of plans for his cinemas, apparently, including getting more money together in order to make some improvements, which they all apparently needed at the time. He would make a few improvements himself and sort of make any good of the, the paintwork and replace some of the furniture and anything, any areas that he could do himself. But by all accounts, more work was actually needed to sort of update them. It is now known that just a few days after he had appeared on the local TV in Wales, he he killed for the very first time. No one knows just how long he fantasised about killing, but at some point it is believed that just attacking men was not enough to satisfy him anymore. He needed to kill as well. A lot of killers are believed to have started off by attacking people before moving on to killing. Luckily Peter Moore ended up making enough mistakes that he was caught after he had killed four men in 16 weeks. The police also found plenty of evidence that linked him to the murders including the knives used and the killer's blood. Peter Moore's 
parents, although probably they suspected that he was gay, may not have really known until, you know, until it became more apparent. Until 1967 in the UK, it was illegal for two men to engage in sexual activity and it was punishable with the prison sentence at times. Also, back then, it would have undoubtedly brought a lot brought a lot of shame onto the Moore family had it been common knowledge that their son was homosexual. Even with the change of law in 1967, where an act was brought in called the Sexual Offences Act 1967, the age of consent for homosexuals was 21 instead of 16, which was in place for heterosexuals. It would take decades when finally, in the year 2000, the age of consent was changed so that it would be the age 16 would be the age for everyone with no exceptions, which is only right in my opinion. It was known that Peter Moore would often target men down dark country lanes or in pubs when they had probably had too much to drink. With more improvements in all sorts of technology being brought in all the time, it would in all probability be a lot harder for someone to carry out this type of crime, but not impossible. But with more CCTV cameras around and mobile phones now being used, there are more ways of identifying people than ever before. Fortunately, Peter Moore will end his days in prison. He is one of only about 50 prisoners in the UK who have rightly been handed a whole life tariff and he was already, he has already used up all of his available appeals. I'm sure the families of the murder victims and the victims who survived will no doubt be relieved that he will never walk the streets again. He was clearly and probably still is a very dark evil individual who did not care about causing harm as long as he was satisfied and happy. Thank you very much for listening and credits for this episode go to a documentary on the crime and investigation channel which I actually found on YouTube and it is called Evil Up Close and Peter Moore. Um, the Daily Post .co.uk was also a source, as was Wikipedia. Thank you very much. Bye.